Welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. It's Wednesday, August 11th, 2022. Training camp is here, and tonight we are going to continue the ADP list. Oh, that's fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. I'm going to take five of those home. <laughs> To today, to every day. Wow, very positive attitude. I'm in a great mood after having tried that beer. That was my first sip of the beer that I'd ever had in my life. Not any beer, just this beer that you all saw on camera just now, a moment or so ago. How'd it go? Fantastic. That beer is amazing. <laughs> I'm just jumping right in here. This is a crowler, a giant can of beer. If you haven't seen one before, you get them at breweries. Uh, it's from the Emporium Brew Pub in Greendale, Wisconsin. It's called Took Five. It's their seasonal. It's a stout. It's 10.3% alcohol, uh, canned on 8-1, which means that it was canned uh, while I believe you were in Wisconsin. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. So technically it was canned. Uh, you and- being Mr. David Biggs of Drink5.com. I am Jason Evans of Drink5.com. Thank you all for joining us on the podcast. Um, we are here to drink some beers and talk about fantasy football, and I'm done interrupting you. So we went to this great place called the Explorium, and uh, oh yeah, you know I like uh, I like exploring and things that end in em. Okay. In general, fair enough. Uh, I'm sure you could find a couple that I don't like, but uh, that that was a really cool place. There's a three of them up in Wisconsin, one in Milwaukee, and some in the surrounding suburbs, and they really are just trying to get you to explore all kinds of different beers, and that's one thing I can really get behind. I want to go. <laughs> I had never heard of these places until now, and I am quite interested. Mm. Well, good news. It's a good beer. They have lots of other good beers as well, and they're open. They're open for business. Great. So the Explorium. We'll check it out. Um, so this is the uh, Fantasy Finish Line podcast. Tonight we are going to be talking about uh, the preseason, really. We're going to go over... The next 10 players on the ADP list. Last week, we talked about the top 10 rookies and players 1 through 10 on the ADP list. Tonight, we're going to talk about players number 11 through 20. We're going to touch on a tiny bit of training camp news because there is a quarterback competition going on in Carolina. Baker Mayfield seems to be leading that competition at the moment over Sam Darnold. And um, it seems to be one of the only competitions that's going on. There is sort of a competition in Seattle, but that team is decidedly worse than Carolina, um, which is saying a lot or, or nothing, depending on your perspective, I suppose. <laughs> so um, the most important of the competitions is going on. Maybe Pittsburgh's competition is more important, but that seems probably to be Mitch Trubisky's job to lose. Well, the, the thing about preseason, and, and you know this, of course, because we've been doing this many years now, is that um, the, the coach speak is very prevalent and they're always going to say whatever it is that um, that makes sense with the contracts that they have put forward with the players. Oh, that's a good point. And it really has nothing to do with what's actually going to happen, but only with uh, how they want to be perceived, um, uh, their their conversation that everybody in the media sees, and all the all the uh, uh, fantasy football. Uh, team managers, etc., are then going to see from NFL Network, etc. And in the case of the Steelers, uh, you have 
you have Mitch Trubisky, who they signed to a uh, a decent contract, and then of course they drafted Kenny Pickett, and they already had Mason Rudolph on the roster. I would say that in the eyes of the coaches, it's probably anybody's game. But of course, the person who has the most money that's going to go to them this year is Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they're going to say that. Now, I would think being a veteran in the league and having led the Bears to playoff berths, et cetera, that that would be the guy. Yeah. Uh, and now the the news about Pittsburgh is that uh, Mason Rudolph is is actually doing better than the other two guys are in camp. But none of that really matters until they actually start getting to preseason game two and three. Yeah. Um, and, and so talking about Carolina, uh, what's going on there? So Sam Darnold was a starter last year. They picked up Baker Mayfield this year, and it looks like Baker Mayfield is outperforming Sam Darnold at the moment. Uh, we talked a little bit about Christian McCaffrey last week because he is still in the top 10. I believe he's um, ADP 2 or 3 at the moment. I think he might have been bumped up to 2 since we last spoke. So there is a lot of fantasy that you need to worry, a lot of fantasy players you need to worry about in Carolina, including DJ Moore. And then Baker Mayfield will be relevant, in my opinion, in at least two quarterback leagues. So do you think that one of the quarterbacks is better for like the auxiliary fantasy players? I think that in general, um, most fantasy players and people that pay attention to the NFL have have been aware that Baker Mayfield has had. You really like the beer. The beer is amazing. <laughs> I am a fan of any beer that is like modeled after a candy bar. Yeah. Well, uh, Jess, my fiance, picked it out, and uh, well done. I had you in mind. It was a good pick. <laughs> that was a high draft pick, and it was well worth it. Yes. Good, first overall. Good value. So well done. So Baker Mayfield has gone through a couple of different injuries since the 2019 season, and last year he had a, a shoulder injury that the news has all said, you know, everyone talking about it was more serious than than was kind of given credit at the time. Yeah. And this reminds me of things that used to happen to Matt Stafford. All that I've ever read about Baker Mayfield <laughs> is that you know. Uh, is that he's a guy that's really highly motivated, and he's a guy that plays through injuries, et cetera, kind of like the Tony Romo, kind of like a Matt Stafford. Okay. Um, but the fact that he was playing all of last year with an injury and the team was still allowing it um, says some things about the Cleveland Browns organization and where they were and what they wanted. So I would say that they've fallen out of love with Baker Mayfield, but he's clearly still a talented quarterback. And that he should win it. He should win the quarterback uh, competition because, on paper, he's a more talented quarterback than uh, than the incumbent. I concur, and I think that he's better fantasy for for the fantasy value of DJ Moore of Christian McCaffrey. Just like it's something that I'll bring up later on in the players we're going to discuss. But just in general, when you have a better quarterback, it makes all the players around them better. They're going to produce more. You know, they're going to convert more third downs and stay on the field. Just real simple stuff like that. Yeah, and he's been playing badly over the last couple of years. But again, that, that could be he's attributed. He's a bad team and he was injured. It could be attributed to other things. Uh, saying it's a bad team is rough because, like, that team had Landry and Odell right. Beckham You're and right. Nick Chubb I, and I, Kareem I'm, Hunt. That's a little unfair. The top offensive line. They like, played very well in the playoffs. So they're not a, they weren't a bad team. They are the Cleveland Browns. So they, they have <laughs> they a They are the Cleveland Browns. Just like the Detroit Lions, who we might touch on later, they, they have a history, the Browns do. Oh, we'll get to them. Of just being a team that uh, continually falls and trips over its own, over its own feet. Sure. So, um, 
you know, I just wanted to touch on that team because we hadn't talked about them too much and they don't come up a lot other than Christian McCaffrey as far as like high draft picks in fantasy go. Uh, but it was interesting to see, you know, just a little bit of competition going on there. Some years there's five or six quarterback competitions that are consequential, but it seems like those are fewer and fewer as we go on. So I liked watching that. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I agree. I think it's going to be Baker Mayfield's job to lose at this point. He is listed as the number one quarterback on the death chart as of yesterday. So I think that uh, that's what's going to end up happening, at least for week one. If he doesn't play very well because of his, you know, sort of unpopularity within the league, uh, it wouldn't be that hard to, like, switch back and forth or move on from him. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But for now, I think uh, we're safe to move on unless you have anything else to talk about with the Panthers. No. Go okay, ahead. Okay, we're going to go from <laughs> Devante to Javante. Uh, once you give me a little bit of volume so we can have a little bit of drink. Oh, that is just phenomenal. He found a new beer, love. Every sip I have is as good as the last. <laughs> it's dangerous to pour a crawler. Not for me. <laughs> I got that shit down. Then, Jess, if you want some more, it's going to be gone soon. So. I can teach you how to pour it if you want. <laughs> There's a lone drop headed down the side that won't even make it to the table. It's a beautiful beer. It's so good. Okay, Dave, I believe that uh, it's yours to kick us off with Mr. Devontae Adams. All right, so as Jason mentioned earlier, we're, we're going over the top 11 to 20 overall by ADP. A couple of weeks ago, we, we uh, had a breakdown of the 1 through 10 ADP picks and whether or not they were undervalued, overvalued, boomer bust players. Um, clearly, I mean, the, your 1 through 10 is not going to move that much, but it is important when you're doing your draft, uh, especially um, for redraft leagues and not for Dynasty. Um, that you pay attention to those players that might be overvalued so that you can get as much value as possible in the top rounds because that's where it lives. And if you end up drafting somebody just by their name or, or by their um, uh, offensive scheme, thinking that they're going to carry you into the, the postseason, that may not be the case. There's lots of situations in which a player, because of the offensive depth chart, uh, because of the, the, the coach personnel changes, um, various other reasons, might not perform at the level that you expect them to. And at places like ESPN or Yahoo, um, those rankings that you're provided when you go to a draft might list them as. Mm -hmm. So our rankings uh, are going to be a little bit different. And because I have just recently put out the 2022 draft rankings, for standard half PPR and PPR, and you can find those on our site, drink5.com. I'm also one of the Fantasy Pros experts, so you can see it on the Fantasy Pros site. Um, those rankings are going to be a little different from ECR or from ADP, and that's expert consensus ranking or average draft position. Uh, we could have a whole podcast describing what those things are, what they mean. <laughs> But really, what's important is if we're describe if we're taking an entire podcast to describe that, then we're not doing a good job. <laughs> well, what's important is 
what people value the positions at as an average is not where you should take them. It right. just because it's a guideline. It's not a rule. Yeah, just because people are normally taken at position eight does not mean you should take them there. Really, the the yeah. individual when you, get to eight, you shouldn't be like, oh, Derrick Henry, done. Right. The scoring rules of your individual league have to be taken into account. Yeah. How you feel about that team and how they're going to use that player and utilize him in every down or um, third down or first and second down situation. If we're mm-hmm. talking about a running back, mm-hmm. very important. So number 11 ADP is Devontae Adams. He was recently, of course, traded to the Los Angeles Raiders from the Green Bay Packers. And he's a wide receiver. If you don't know that he's a wide receiver, I suppose that this podcast may not be the place for you to start. So we could <laughs> we could give you some links. Are to, we going to do a podcast where we explain the positions in fantasy football? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe we should because that would get a lot of clicks. Fantasy football basics, but it's not something for uh, for us or our friends or the people in our league. The people yeah. who are listening tonight should know what a wide receiver is. Yes, please. Please know okay. what a wide receiver is. Anyway, pause the podcast, Google that shit, and come back. So you can pause the podcast, which is great. That's how it works. Mm. Should we do a podcast explaining how it works? They already have that. Let's not copyright infringe. Gotcha. So Adams is a stud. We know he's a stud. He's considered by many to be the unquestionable WR1 in the league over the past few years. I've heard this time after time. In fact, have drafted him as a WR1 on my team to much success. Yeah. I certainly can't disagree with any of that. Neither can Jason, right? I, I don't. I choose not to. But I do have him ranked at number 19 overall, whereas he is in the ADP as number 11. So we understand that in most cases... People are drafting based on what has happened in the past and the situations and numbers that that player has achieved in the past. Yes. And thinking that they will continue to have that exact same path in the future, uh, regardless of what situations or issues may have uh, 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 may have un- they cha- may, the changes in his position. They may have undergone in his situation over the season in the off season. So, I think that the number 11 spot is overvaluing Adams in his new situation. And I think you should leave him to be drafted to another team manager. Because if you are, as I am, uh, and even if you're not, I'm going to try to convince you of this, to value him a little bit lower than number 11, someone will absolutely take him between the spots of, let's say, 8 and 14. Uh, He will be gone. And, And so, I'd say don't draft him. And let's talk about the negatives. Uh, in his new situation that could bump him to what I consider to be the WR6 overall. And even though he hasn't finished a season worse than WR5 since 2018, a lot of that has to do with with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers' offensive playing scheme. I would say 75% of that has to do with Aaron Rodgers. So first, Rodgers to Carr represents a clear downgrade in pure quarterback talent, regardless of anything that Adams might have said about Hall of Fame quarterback to Hall of Fame quarterback. (laughs) These tongue-in-cheek remarks are not reflective of the actual truth. Look, I just like that Devontae Adams has taken some of the snarkiness that Aaron Rodgers brings every day to everything he does and brought it to Las Vegas. And just think, if Adams was still on the team, they could both be doing ayahuasca together and coming to realizations that are very broad and deep. I would take some LSD with Adams and Rodgers. Why not? Well, I think LSD probably represents a breach of the uh, NFL contract where ayahuasca, ayahuasca does doesn't. Not. So That's funny. His new girlfriend, are you familiar with her? 
Whose new girlfriend? Aaron, Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers? No. Okay, so you don't know why he took ayahuasca. I Well, is it... Does he have another new girlfriend? As opposed to who? Uh, well, I believe he was married to an actress, I thought. Oh, no, you, you are very far behind, my Apparently. Friend. So, Aaron... Aaron Rodgers' new... Time to Google this. Aaron Rodgers' new girlfriend is named Blue of Earth. Yes! <laughs> yes, tell me more! And and so Blue Blue of Earth is this new age personality that has like a podcast and totally into uh, um, like sort of uh, mind-altering and, and shifting drugs. And so Aaron Rodgers... It's BLU. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers might I be your new favorite player. I don't know. No, he's been my favorite player for a long time. <laughs> um, he lost me for a minute with some of his, um, you know, I, I'm inoculated but not vaccinated bullshit. But this is, I'm right back on board. Ayahuasca and Blue of Earth, let's fucking go. Yeah. So <laughs> so that that all reminds me of, uh, um, of, of Doc Ellis. Do you know who Doc Ellis is? <laughs> Doc Ellis. Famously threw a no hitter for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1970 while on LSD. Yeah, so you... I've read a whole story about this. The guy was supposed to be off that day. He didn't do this on purpose. You know, all he was about supposed him. to be off that day. He's like, at a bar. They're like, hey, Doc, we need you to come like, in. They're like, Doc, you got a pitch today. And he's like, okay, here I go. <laughs> he's like, I'm not sure if you really want this uh, because there's going to be some ups and downs. It's an amazing story. If you ever want to look it up, go for it. Yes, Doc Ellis. Well, in any case, uh, it, it reminds me of that because I think, I think that uh, that Aaron Rodgers may end up at some point this season being on something. Can while, we use the picture of Doc playing. Ellis with curlers in his hair as the screen, like splash screen for this podcast? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Probably <one>. not. But <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we have digressed very far from Devonte Adams. Okay, so uh, go, getting back to what we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, secondly, after the fact that Rodgers to Carr is definitely a downgrade in quarterback talents of a, a tier or two, and Carr is a great quarterback, he is, but but he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's good level. Second, Darren Let's Waller. Let's not tell Ted that we said that. But Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are not going to be suddenly forgotten in this offense. Right now, Keelan Cole might, but the point is that Green Bay. Uh, um, in Green Bay, Adams was the target hog, and so he had almost a one third. Uh, percentage uh, of the targets of in targets. that offense over the past few years. He had 169 targets last year and uh, several years ago. Right. So that's simply not going to occur here. And finally, Josh McDaniel's offenses have always highlighted the slot receiver. You've got uh, Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and other things in McDaniel's history. And it's not that he can't pivot, right? But I don't think that he'll immediately and dramatically change what offense he has previously run. So keep in mind, I'm not dumping on Adams as a, as a player. I just think he isn't the unquestionable top five wide receiver in the league anymore. So I, I'm really interested in seeing what Adams has to bring to the Raiders. Um, I don't think it's very often that these superstar players are able to go to another team and really produce in that manner. But, you know, if anyone can do it, it's a guy like Devontae Adams who has been at the top of his game, as you said, top five wide receiver since 2018. Mm -hmm. That's four straight years already. Um, so I, I think that, you know, this is going to bring Carr's game to another level. But I think what I'm more interested in seeing, honestly, is what – 
receiver is going to be able to be the next stud in Green Bay because I have more confidence in Rodgers creating a new stud than I do in Devontae Adams continuing his stud qualities uh, with a different quarterback. Yeah, so I mean, ultimately, Devontae Adams is still going to be an amazing wide receiver for the Raiders, but it's just not going to be the the only focal point of the offense on an offense that already has those really sharp edges. Yeah. Well, I mean, I fully expect him to lead the team in targets. If he doesn't lead the team in targets, then why the hell did they get him? To win. Well, that That's how you win, is you... Throw the ball to Devontae Adams but all day. But that's not correct. If you have a team where Darren Waller can still get a ton of targets, where Hunter Renfro can get a ton of targets, but Devontae Adams can can break apart that defense, you know, stretch the field, etc. That's what I'm saying here, is that uh, I think he'll be a top 10 wide receiver, but not a top 5 wide receiver in this offense in this year because the Raiders want to go to the playoffs. They want to win a Super Bowl, and they want to do it not through one person. Okay. Uh, so... Speaking of playoff teams, at number 12, we've got Stephon Diggs, wide receiver in Buffalo. He did have a very quiet season last year. on Not on paper. His, his on-paper season looked very good. <laughs> it felt like it was very quiet. It didn't, uh, what I would say, pass the eye test. Diggs did not make a lot of headlines. He was not very splashy last year. He did finish by the end of the year as the WR7. He only had one game, however, where he finished over 20 points, and only two games in the whole season where he had 100 yards receiving. But he was still the WR7, and we're going, by the way, uh, with half-point PPR, half-PPR, uh, to not do an ATM machine sort of repetitiveness. So Diggs still finished with his second-highest career total in receptions and receiving yards last year. He finished with a career-high in touchdowns. That sort of thing is what brought him up to be the WR7 for the season. So my initial reaction is, is that Diggs did not pass the eye test. However, the numbers argue otherwise. So when I watched Diggs last year, I was not impressed by him. I thought that he had sort of lost a step. But by the end of the year, the numbers proved me wrong. I am not an NFL scout. I am someone who looks at fantasy numbers. So I need to trust in the numbers more than I trust in my eye. Though I will talk about the eye much more because I, I still value that. Like how I perceive a player just watching them play does matter a lot to uh, how I want to draft them it's at least part of what I use in in addition to the numbers so he 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 was acceptable or, or probably more than acceptable to the bills they offered him a very large contract extension I think four years 70 million dollars which he signed in the offseason from the bills so what I would say is that to my eye he's overrated mm -hmm. but the stats probably say that he's properly rated and not underrated not overrated Diggs right now is the fifth wide receiver coming off the board and it's fitting for a team who threw the ball 655 times last year fifth most in the league so you want the guy who is the number one target in a high volume passing offense so the bills have not added any threats to the passing game there's nobody that's going to take any of the workload from Diggs in the wide receiver room however James Cook uh, actually, Dalvin Cook's younger brother was drafted by the Bills, and it's possible that he can sort of take over a lot of that backfield passing work. Not right away, but perhaps by the end of the year if he ends up working out for them. So, will Diggs regress? This is one of the questions that we like to ask about all these players. I think that 
since he's 29, age-related regression is a year or two off for him still. I don't think that that's going to happen this year. He's probably good for 100 receptions, 1,200 yards, 8 touchdowns, because this is a very pass-happy Buffalo Bills team. He's got an elite quarterback. His ceiling is sky-high. His draft stock reflects that. I am not, like, super high on digs, but I have a hard time arguing with the numbers that I see uh, that he has been able to produce and the fact that his situation has not changed. He is not old enough to regress age-wise. There's no one on his team that's going to take his place. So I, I think that he is in the right spot at an ADP 12 WR5 off the board. You have him at 16 overall, so I think you mostly agree with me. Mm-hmm. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, I think the the Bills have an explosive offense that's still going to continue. It may have looked like Diggs wasn't getting those passes that he should have been getting, but clearly, like you said, the numbers tell a different story. Exactly. And um, it, it's mostly because of those big chunks of yards. That's the kind of receiver they're using him as. And I don't see any reason why that chemistry won't continue to grow between him and Josh Allen. Yes. Well, last year was his second year with Josh Allen, and like he didn't really regress from the year before it was just that he didn't have a lot of the big games that you expect from like top end wide receivers he had one game over 20 points which is not what you expect to see there's a guy further down on our list who had like six games over 20 points and fewer single point games too so um uh, but obviously he finished higher anyways that's not the point right now the point is about Diggs. um I'm, i'm perfectly happy with drafting him as the fifth wide receiver off the board if you know if he passes your eye test there are other players who are a few positions below him at the wide receiver position that i think are probably going to have a better ceiling than him and i might rather have over digs but i i can't fault anyone for taking him at five it's, it's, it's not like the Adam situation where it's changed so much and you're looking at what he used to do and sort of overinflating him. Yeah, and, and they no longer have uh, Emmanuel Sanders. They no longer have Cole Beasley. Um, and so... Yeah, that uh, they, sounds like addition by subtraction. Well, they, they should be looking to him even more than they did previously. I, I, he's Alan's top target, and uh, I think that he's, he's going to be having to move around a whole lot right um because they're going to double team him all the time uh and and we'll see i think a lot of this has to do with what happens with some of the other receivers on the team but but i think you and i agree that he's still going to maintain the same position that he's had over the previous years or even elevate beyond that yeah you have to assume that um with Gabriel Davis having such a big playoff run that they're going to want to get him the ball more. But you you got a good point about Beasley and Sanders being gone. Those were the second and third highest target receivers exactly, exactly. on the team. 184 targets between the two of them. Yeah, so so you would think that you're going to have a little bit more uh They also played vastly different digs. roles in the offense. Yeah. But they move him around a lot. And like I, I just feel like uh, the reason that they could let those players go – uh, is because they know that they have enough talent on the team to sop it up. I have to imagine that Dawson Knox is going to see more work at tight end and that Gabriel Davis will see more work down the field and that we will see them try to establish some sort of backfield threat, which they've tried with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but neither, none of them have been super effective in that role. Yeah, I think we'll see James Cook and Devin Singletary have some kind of a split-back scenario. Yeah. And then, you've, like you mentioned, you have Knox and Davis and Diggs and obviously, Allen's running ability, 
Um, I think that's all you need, really. Uh, I think they're going to be just. Oh, fine. I don't worry about the <laughs> yeah. the Bills' offense scoring points is not the problem. It's like figuring out what fantasy players from that offense you're going to want to start every week. The only sure bets, in my opinion, are Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Everyone else is like a week to week sort of challenge yeah. at first. Someone else will rise up. I think we'll probably see Knox in the top 10 tight ends, maybe towards the bottom, but uh, I think he'll yeah. continue well, to Knox do well. Well, Knox had nine touchdowns last year. Well, they didn't. They didn't. Impressive. The important thing was they didn't get someone else, right? Because the whole threat True. to Dawson Knox was, are they going to draft a tight end? Or are they going to uh, try to acquire a tight end that's somebody who's not Dawson? Uh, and so that's definitely going to be uh, something to look for. But as far as the ADP is concerned, when we look at Stefan Diggs, I think we we both agree that that's uh, a good position to to draft him in, right? Yes, I'm fine with drafting Diggs there if you like Diggs there. As I said, there is a there's one player later on my list who I would take over Diggs. Well, but that's it. Well, but for, this is because I think that player is underrated. Well, for me, um, I I I don't think I would take him at at twelve, but 12 but I'm overall. I'm fine with taking him in the the second round. Uh, and so, or as the sixth wide or fifth wide receiver off the board. Yeah, you know these players are are somewhat interchangeable when we look at uh, the value between like a wr uh, wr four wr five that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's it's depending on what team situation you like better. Yes, that you know I, I think I would rather have the player on the Buffalo Bills offense rather than the Oakland Raider, Las Vegas Raiders offense. Oh, I think you'll be surprised at the Raiders offense, but yeah, sure. Sure. I'm happy to be wrong uh, on a positive end. Yeah. You know, I'm happy for things to do better than I expect. Um, Travis Kelsey, uh, he's number 13 in ADP, of course, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he's an end-of-round one pick for me. Uh, So, for me, he's sitting at, like, 9 or 10. I currently have him at number 9. Obviously, these picks uh, and the value of them are going to change throughout the preseason, depending on what we see from those teams. But that could be a lot because of how I value type, top tight end scarcity uh, at the position. So uh, I think, personally, that Kelsey has been the tight end one in fantasy for three out of the four last seasons. Okay. Uh, and with the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, uh, of course, brings a lot of targets um, out there that still are... They're all going to Juju. <laughs> of course, because <laughs> you own him in a dynasty. Because I Look, I, I like Juju, but clearly they can't all go to Juju. Um, all right, fine. Um, they'll certainly be leaning on Hibbs' chemistry with Mahomes to be a target hog and go-to player yet again for the 2022 season. Remember that Kelsey will be 33 years old in October. Uh, tight ends have a general ability to last a little bit longer overall on average than your regular wide receiver or running back, especially someone built like Travis Kelsey. But I think he has probably begun his downfall but the beginning of a the downfall. Regression is starting. The beginning of a regression for Travis Kelsey does not mean that he's not going to produce tight end one or tight end two numbers. It'd be year. a very gentle slope. Yeah. So not a cliff. So the amount of targets per game that he'll receive, I think, will go up from last year. That should allow for his regression curve to actually go up from last year uh, before it goes back down. Call it an aggression curve. <laughs> In subsequent years. <laughs> so the inside scoop is if you're not willing to spend a late first round or early second round pick on Kelsey, he's going to be gone. Um, Kansas City might be a roller coaster this year, but we know that Kelsey is the only guy that has the identifiable, solid, dependable role 
uh, of someone who is going to be on your team every single week and someone that you can depend on to get those uh, 10 plus fantasy points in a tight end position. So there is no reason to not spend that pick unless your strategy is running back, running back, or wide receiver, wide receiver, or you know what I mean? Um, So if you're going to pick that tight end at the end of first round, Kelsey is still the guy. Even though Mark Andrews did um, beat him last year in total points scored, I think that the, the Kansas City Chiefs offense, the tight end there in that offense, and Travis Kelsey specifically, is going to be far superior than trying to chase the points from Mark Andrews and the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I, I, I buy that. You know, the Ravens just feel too volatile for me to chase that. I would much rather have the sure bet of Travis Kelsey. Yeah. If that's what you want to do. If you're not enamored with anybody else uh, who's sitting on the board at that time, maybe it's Devontae Adams or Travis Kelsey. Who would you take in that situation? Uh, uh, well, I would take Travis Kelsey. Okay. Because Devontae Adams, for me, is a, is a end-of-second-round, third-round pick. Yeah. But but to your point, if you're looking for someone closer to the value that I that I put him at, um, then you're looking at uh, an end of first round like pick. a cup or Jamar Chase. Well, I think I think you have who you have right after Kelsey. I think Cup is is is, I think Cup is really high. Uh, yeah, so so maybe Jamar Chase. Okay. So, but but I might take. That sounds a, like a good pair for a wraparound. <laughs> if you could take Chase and Kelsey, of course, that that'd be great. Well, that's I mean that's. That's probably a very uh, legitimate option if you're in the ninth or tenth pick in a ten-team league. Well, I find that when you're when you're drafting too, that there's some people that just want to get that tight end right away, and there's some people that are like, I don't care, like I'm just going to get him sixth round. Some people like playing the waiver wire game, and some people don't. Yeah, well, if you don't want to play the waiver wire game, then you take a tight end early so that you have a guy for the whole year. You're in Scar City, right? It's uh, the scarcity of the position uh, at tight end is it makes it really interesting whether you take somebody early or not. But if you take somebody early, you sacrifice those high value players at the other skill positions at wide receiver and running back. So what I would would always look at yeah, is Yeah, the top end wide receivers and running back are always going to score more points than tight ends. Yeah, but regardless of that, the the top 5 tight ends are going to score way more points than the bottom 5 tight ends. So So top 5 tight ends, Mark Andrews 247, Kelsey 216, and then you've got a couple guys in the 160s and a 143 was number 5. So even the the gap between 1 and 5 is 100 points. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it's it's I I subscribe but then a lot. the rest of that group is like 10 points away. So I subscribe a lot to the value over replacement player, uh, the VORP philosophy, yeah, yeah. and and looking at something like tight ends when you have a, a league that puts a premium on them, you have to take one of the top three guys. You have to take a George Kittle or a Mark Andrews or a, a Travis Kelsey, or else you're just going to lose. <laughs> I concur. And I think Dalton Schultz will be in that group by volume alone. But that's a discussion for a different time. So, at number 14, we've got DeAndre Swift, running back for Detroit. So, in my opinion, it's hard not to get unreasonably hyped on the Lions after watching last night's premiere episode of Hard Knocks. I know you haven't seen it yet, Dave. There were some great freaking moments. Well, I, I, I was already a fan of, of Swift and the uh, idea that he could take over that backfield and how he's done uh, over the over the past season. Yeah. But I have not seen the episode, so I don't know the hype you're talking about. So... 
it's more hype for the Lions. There, I don't remember seeing Swift featured at all. In fact, Jamal Williams was featured heavily in the episode. Jamal Williams is awesome. He is the spiritual center of that team, <laughs> for sure, um, if it's not Dan Campbell. And there was uh, Aiden uh, Hutchinson getting the whole team to sing Billie Jean. And there was a basically an all-out trash talk practice between the offensive de- coordinator and the defensive coordinator. Well, so what you're really saying is that uh, the team that's bad that you're going to like this year is the Lions. Yes, uh. <laughs> absolutely. I cannot help myself. Uh. I, the last few years with Hard Knocks, I've gone in very um, much like, oh, this show doesn't have what it used to have, and it's not as good, and I don't think I'll get into it as much. They got it back. And, I, and, and, and some of the seasons I haven't even finished. I didn't even watch the Colts midseason one last year because it was they were a boring team, and it was boring to watch. But this first episode, at least, was really good. They feature like all the coaches this time because almost every coach is an ex-player. Mm-hmm. You know who their wide receiver coach is? Mm-hmm. Antoine Randall-L. Oh, I love it, Randall-L. Yes. He's a, he's a slash player. I was super fast. Super happy to see Quarterback, that. wide receiver, running back, whatever. Whatever you want. <laughs> Throwing touchdowns in the Super Bowl. They showed yeah. that replay. I like Randall. Um, anyways, I digress a little bit. So, I'll do my best to stay level on, uh, level-headed on Swift. But what I saw of his numbers last year encouraged me. He finished the season 12th in points per game with 13.7. But if you look at the fantasy-relevant games that he did play and finished the game in, so in weeks 1 through 11, he played 10 games. By week was number 9. And then he was injured in week 12. Over that stretch, he averaged 15.8 points per game. That number would put him much higher than uh, the 12. They put him at 7th overall in points per game. Currently, he's going off as the RB8. So 14th overall, RB8. And he's properly rated there, in my opinion. The Lions' hype this year is going to be offset. So, like, yes, he gets hyped up because people are kind of high on the Lions because they finished well last year because it's the hard knock team. And the Hard Knocks teams always get a little bit overhyped. But Swift is a little small, although some of the reports from camp is that he's bulked up a little bit um, and that he's got an injury history. He went out last year with injury and missed like the, the home stretch of the fantasy season that really hurts. So he has a better chance, in my opinion, at being a boom player than a bust player. So the Lions offense, they've been performing better, adding him back to the mix. So the time of the year last year when the Lions were performing better was when DeAndre Swift was out. And I'm not saying that they were better because he was out. I'm saying that they got better and adding a really good player like him is only going to make them even better still. So the personnel around him is mostly the same as last season. I think he'll see a similar workload. I don't expect any regression from him. Last year, compared to last season, last year his he regressed from his rookie year in yards per touch and total touchdowns. So I don't think that you're going to see him regress again because he's a very good player who um, has been playing very well and is in a on a team with a better situation. Uh, or, or not a better situation, but is playing better. Okay. So you had him at number 12, or you have him at number 12 at the moment. So perhaps you're sipping on the Kool-Aid, just like me and most of the internet, uh, as of today anyways. No, I, I'm not affected by the hype. I'm not even aware right. of you the Right, you didn't watch. Yeah, you didn't. But I will say this. One, you're going to be very disappointed by, by putting a lot of hype into the Detroit Lions this season. You know what? I always root for bad teams. <laughs> and it's worked out once ever. Last year I rooted for the Bengals. <laughs> and it worked. Well, I mean. And I've, and I've never regretted rooting for the Jaguars. But two, uh, so I agree with you about Swift. And that's why I've already put him up high. But the reason 
that I, and there's one particular reason why I have him up pretty high in my rankings and why I am pretty high on Swift in general. He has a lot of target competition on his team. Yeah, There's a lot of good pass catchers. Jamal Williams, who you mentioned, is in the backfield, and he's a great running back. He was fantastic uh, on his previous team. I own him in a dynasty league, and I'm just like, I'm just going to take him wherever I go. Wherever because, Jamal Williams wants to go, I'm going to follow him. Because I feel like <laughs> I feel like whenever he gets in there, he's going to have a good game. and like, he's, a, he's a great uh, fill-in for bye weeks and stuff. Sure. But, um, but DeAndre Swift... Um, he caught 108 catches over the first two seasons. So okay. you, do you know why that stat is interesting? No. So there's only 14, not only 14, but he's the 14th running back, if you look at the list, of, of how many running backs have caught that many catches since the year 2000. In the he's first the two four, years? Or? Yeah, in the first years. He's the 14th. Okay. Here's the other running backs. Christian McCaffrey, nice. Alvin Kamara, okay. Reggie Bush, Saquon Barkley, Ladanian Tomlinson, Le'Veon Bell, Tariq Cohen, Matt Forte, LaShawn McCoy, David Johnson, Duke Johnson, Ray Rice. Pretty good record, pretty good list there. Yeah. So the, even though Tariq Cohen is like the low man on that list, he was a fantasy well, like phenom for one season. Tariq Cohen would be good if he didn't like destroy his Achilles. He's this tall <laughs> and probably doesn't belong on an NFL field, but is good enough to play there anyways. But my point is, uh, we're talking about half PPR and even in PPR leagues, uh, playing in standard leagues is rubbish. So yeah, uh, what are you doing? So I mean, I don't know why it's even a thing anymore. But just. Go play a different sport. But here's uh, a guy who is going to be catching a lot of passes over uh, over his career with the Lions. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't stay with the Lions over the next couple of years while he's with them on his rookie contract. So, and what's important is that if he's the RB1 on the team and also a pass-catching back who has demonstrated that uh, over the past two years, then statistically and historically with that group of people – He's going to be putting up big numbers over his career. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I mentioned last week when we were talking about um, the rookies, I talked about Jared Goff being the quarterback for, I forget, is it Jameson Williams is the new rookie wide receiver on the Lions? Um, Jared Goff's average depth of target is basically the lowest in the league, which means that he throws a lot of dump-off passes and stuff like that. So having a running back who's in all the time is going to be a huge advantage for, for whoever that a guy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they're going to get a lot of passes from Jared Goff. It's not like uh, the kind of it's not like a Josh Allen who just chucks it down the field all the time. Jared Goff is going to be dumping the ball off all the damn time. It's going to be good for DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, I'm all for that. And by the way. I can't actually root for the Lions. I'm a Chicago sports fan, even if I'm not a Bears fan, and I hate Detroit. <laughs> so I will I will watch them with a certain fondness, but I don't know that I can root for them. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, we have a question in the chat room about CeeDee Lamb, and uh, we will answer that. I think we might have different answers, but we'll answer that when we get to him because he is actually – uh, in the ADP, he's uh, coming at up. number sixteen. So, yeah. so he'll we be. We got one player, and then we'll talk about CD. He'll Lamb. be right after Nick Chubb. And uh, the question is about what how a many, good teaser, Dave. How many targets he might have in twenty twenty two? Okay. All right. So number fifteen is Nick Chubb. Of course, the running back for Cleveland, the starting running back there. Now, I have some interesting stats that I want to broadcast to everybody and get you know put indelibly in their mind. These are important stats. Let me open my mind. <laughs> so the. 
The Browns have the fourth and the seventh highest run rates in the league over the past two years under Kevin Stefanski, uh, the head coach. Chubb was second in the entire league last year in yards after contact per carry and second in PFF, that's... um, Pro Football uh, Focus. Yeah, Uh, which is just a site that just gets a whole bunch of stats and tries to to create little rankings and ratings out of them. Doesn't necessarily mean that their rankings are the best, but they do a really good job at it. So uh, second in uh, the entire league last year in yards after contact and second in PFF's elusiveness rating. In the previous season, 2020, he was the leader in both of those categories. Nice. So, so what you're saying is regression. No. <laughs> I'm saying here is a guy who is just bursting through the line and doing amazing things. No matter what you think of him, he's awesome. Uh, now, it doesn't get much more consistent than that, being being two, being one. I, sure. I feel like this year he'll probably also be number one, number two, number three, something in the top five. Um, add to that the fact that the Browns' offensive line is among the best in the NFL again this season. Uh, actually, the best offensive line as rated by PFF going into the 2022 season is the Eagles, and the Browns are number two. Uh, but they've improved or stayed the same with their season since last year. So there's no real reason to think that there should be any drop in the amount of holes that are created from the offensive line. Yeah, the run game should stay pretty consistent. Now, there's drama in Cleveland about Deshaun Watson, obviously, about the suspension that was ruled upon uh, a couple of weeks ago and the subsequent appeal from the league office and Roger Goodell. There's a major shakeup of pass catchers with Amari Cooper now joining the Cardiac Kids. Do you know who the Cardiac Kids are? I don't know why they're spelled with K. <laughs> like, this seems problematic. But I do like that Amari's um, sometimes nickname fits better with his team. So, uh, about old historical trivia, the Cleveland Browns were called the Cardiac Kids, in quotation, from 1979 to about 1981. And the reason is uh, is told in several different stories. Uh, overall, it's because during that stretch of time, they had a really good team, but they would always win in like the last two minutes of the game. Okay. And legend has it, I know you love it when things start like that, right? Yes. Legend has it, You Jason, have my attention. That there was a, like, um... There was a hospital uh, in in Cleveland where there was a patient there that was uh, that was older and and was in like hospice or something, and he was watching the Cleveland Browns game and they had him hooked up to a heart monitor, and uh, well of course like that's just a thing that you do. Dave, you had me at legend has it. All right, so he's watching a game in 1979. I think it was the Browns versus the Jets, something like that, and they won like at the last second. And after they won, he passed away, and his cardiac monitor <laughs> spiked to like uh, to like a, like two hundred uh, beats per minute or something like right before he died at this exact moment that the touchdown happened for the Browns. <laughs> and so then they were called the Cardiac Kids uh, for like the next couple of they years. They killed a dude. Oh my God! The Browns literally killed a fan. Mm. And you know what sucks? They probably killed, more than one. They killed a fan. Like, you know, that sucks. Yeah. But he died doing what he loved. Oh, my God. Watching the Browns almost lose. Watching the Browns almost lose. Watching the Browns in a in a controversial game that <laughs> they could have won or lost. Who knows? Anyway, so you have Amari Cooper there now, uh, which is great. It's a great win for them, uh, depending on what happens over the next couple of years. They did lose Jarvis Landry, uh, Odell Beckham, some other bigger names. But regardless of that, I think it's all moot when referring to Chubb's efficiency and the opportunities that he has across the board. However, 
Assuming that Watson is suspended for at least six games, which was the original ruling that happened earlier this year, and that's probably more likely eight to ten now, along with a hefty fine, with the recent appeal from the commissioner's office. We'll see exactly what that is over the next couple of weeks, but I'm assuming that it's going to be something that is between eight weeks and the season long, along with a fine. And because of that, if we see Jacoby Brissett or some other quarterback starting there, we're going to have more stacked boxes. We're going to have more people defending against the run, which they know that team is going to do time and time again. And so, because of that assured defensive focus from those teams, I think the Browns will struggle through the first half of the season at the very least. Oh, for sure. And because of that, I have Chubb ranked at number 26, not number 15. I think Chubb is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But I do not think that he is a is a, a draftable person in the top half of the second round of the 2022 fantasy redraft. I think that he is a top half of the third round pick. And I think that he'll be great. But I think that he'll see regression in his numbers, at least for touchdowns. Because at least for the first half of the season, they're not going to have a uh, standout quarterback under center. Yeah. Uh, you know, with a lot of these players... You know, once you get past the very best of the best, you need a team around them to help them succeed. And I don't know what team is going to be around Nick Chubb at the moment. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I don't know if they're going to be any good. So there's volatility there, and and we both agree that that drafting him at number fifteen is draft uh, volatility in the tenth round, not in the second round. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, someone somebody might somebody might go ahead in there and he. he turn out to be like a top three running back. But I think statistically speaking and looking... That's a hell of a gamble. I think that it's more more likely that he'll be like a number 10 or 11 running back. Yes, I agree. So, uh, uh, addressing the question we have now, we're going to jump to CeeDee Lamb at number 16. He's a wide receiver in Dallas. So, last year he was a boom or bust player. Seven of his 15 games he played during the fantasy season were below nine fantasy points. He did finish as a WR18 in total points, but his spot currently as the WR6 is based on his potential and not any performance we actually saw last season. Now, the Cowboys throw the ball a ton, 647 times last year, for an even 4,800 yards. They also no longer have Amari Cooper. That's 104 targets that need to go somewhere. That being said, I know that the Cowboys are pretty high on Jalen Tolbert. That's his. That's their third-round pick. He should see a lot of action as a rookie, Probably not like in the first couple of weeks, but I expect them to implement him into the offense pretty quickly. Don't expect Lamb's target share to increase dramatically with the absence of Cooper. So to answer the question directly, how many targets do we think that he'll get in the 2021 season? He had seven and a half targets per game. I don't see that exceeding a eight to eight and a half targets per game because of the absence of Amari Cooper. You still have... um, Dalton Schultz there, who had over 100 targets last year. And Dak Prescott is an excellent quarterback. He is going to spread the ball around. So this draft position is too high. Lamb's a good receiver, but he's overrated here. He improved statistically in essentially every quarter, every category last season, and he was still not that impressive. So to me, his ceiling this year is WR 10 to 12 at best, taking him as the sixth WR wide receiver off the board, too much of a stretch. So... At 16, I still don't like him there. I think he needs to be a mid-third round to late third round pick. Uh, certainly like after Devontae Adams where we're dropping him down. 
I don't like CeeDee Lamb being drafted this high. I think that a lot of people see a lot of potential in him. I think that the Cowboys are a very popular team around the country and that a lot of people like drafting the player that they like that's on their team that they like. So I think CeeDee Lamb has a lot of uh, bias as far as people just like the team, people just like the player a little bit because they like the team and that's what's bumped his draft stock up a little bit. WR6 is way too high for him. He hasn't really shown that he can achieve that. In a year where he improved, he still only finished as a WR18. He is a guy who's way too volatile week to week. He doesn't put up enough consistent numbers. Don't take CD Lamb in this position at all. So you've got him ranked at 15. Do you disagree with my assessment? Yeah, I'm, I'm higher on, uh, on CD Lamb than you are, and I think that uh, he's going to improve over his original numbers. I think that it's silly to think that a rookie receiver going into that team um, that uh, was, I don't think, drafted any higher than CD was because he was a very high draft pick uh, is going to be expected to be taking any targets away from him. Uh, no, no, I, I think that... And I think that, that looking at rookies as... as, as uh, you know, as as that particular rookie is coming into the league, to to affect an existing wide receiver. That's is, not that's not what I'm saying at all. I think that CD will probably be getting 120 plus targets as opposed to his around 110 that he, he had, had last he year. He had 120 last year. Uh, 120 last year. He had 120 last. So year. I think he'll improve upon that number and do yeah. better than he did last year. I, I think he'll probably be at 130 to 140. Because they lost Amari Cooper. But it's not going to be this sort of situation where he jumps to like a Devontae Adams level where it's like 170. And uh, which would which would warrant him being drafted this high compared to how he's performed in the past. Well, to be honest with you, I, I would rather have CeeDee Lamb than Devontae Adams this uh, upcoming season. I, I just think that he's more involved in every down and he's more of a focal point in the offense than Devontae Adams is going to be on the Raiders. I think this is a... Uh, a, your classic third-year situation where CeeDee Lamb did really well last year, and now he's going to prove himself as the entrenched number one on that team in Dallas. Um, I suppose. I, I just see the ball getting thrown around so much. Six players had 60 targets or more on that well, team. Well, they're still going to throw it everywhere. Yeah, but, I mean, they're one of the teams that throw the ball But he's the, the guy. He's the guy on that team. 647 attempts, sixth most in the league. 4,800 passing yards, second most in the league. So, so we'll see. I mean, you're saying that uh, you, you see him a little bit lower. That just means that you're not going to get him on your team this year in fantasy. I, I think WR6 is way too high for him. I think his ceiling is 10 or 12. Well, I, I Therefore, dis- I'm not drafting him in the second round. I disagree, and I think that it's okay to draft him at 16, 17, uh, you know, towards the end of the second uh, round. And you're just not going to get him on your fantasy teams. No. That's, that's all that means. No, he's like, if he fell to me at the end of the third round, I could see... A reason for that, taking that would never. That's never going to happen, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number seventeen is Aaron Jones, running back for the Green Bay Packers. I I love Aaron Jones. I have him ranked overall at number thirteen. That's four spots higher than his current ADP of number seventeen. Now, Aaron Rodgers has been without Devontae Adams in the past for a lot of different reasons. Mostly uh, in uh, twenty twenty, we're going to be talking about it, not twenty twenty one, because I think uh, Adams was only missing for one game in the twenty twenty one season. He's not an oft-injured player. It does happen. Uh, but I think there were eight games in which Devontae Adams was not present and Aaron Jones was. We'll talk about that in a moment. Okay. Now, uh, Aaron Jones has been the recipient of a lot of those targets when Devontae Adams is not on the field. 
in those eight games where Devontae Adams was gone but Jones was in, he averaged six targets and 23 PPR points per game when he was active. That represents an increase of around eight uh, PPR points per game over his average when Devontae Adams is in the game. When when Adams was uh, when Adams was out for a game last season in 2021, Rodgers threw seven screen passes to Aaron Jones. It was a fantastic game that he had. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of like some Najee Harris stuff, you know, uh, some Reggie Bush stuff. Like sure. Uh, and and it's not that Aaron Jones is the only guy in the backfield to be getting passes from from Aaron Rodgers. AJ Dillon is obviously a big contributor to this offense, but the pass catchers are simply not going to be outstanding enough on the Green Bay Packers team to prevent the backfield from soaking up a ton of targets this year. So, yeah, there's I mean, we like I said earlier, we don't know who the top receivers are going to be on this team. Yeah, we assume it's uh, it's going to be Lazard and Christian Watson. But the thinking that Christian Watson, again, a rookie that's going to come in and like do really well right away, historically it's just never been the case. And they don't have anybody else on their team besides Alan Lazard, who has a history with... There's pretty much no chance that he does more than Devontae Adams did in his rookie year. No, there is zero chance. And Devontae Adams had about 45 catches in his rookie year. In fact, I have it up. He had 38 catches in his rookie year. Oh, well, I I thought you were talking about... Um... He could do a little better than yeah, well, we'll see. But it doesn't normally happen, especially in Green Bay with rookies. Because of the scarcity, it could be like the the most that Rodgers ever threw to a rookie. But isn't he injured at the moment? So he's not even practicing with Rodgers. Uh, he had a knee scope or something. Th- th- these things are not... Yeah, that's true. But if you're not on the field, you're not on the field. That's true. That's true. He doesn't have the, the field time that other people do currently. So uh, Jones being a borderline top 10 running back... The presumed increase in passing targets over the course of the season, based on our historical knowledge of the Packers' offensive play calling without Adams on the field, could push Jones over the edge to be uh, a RB7, 8, 9 uh, when we look at it at the end of the season. So I think, personally, that he's a better selection at the end of the second round in this established offense uh, with an established quarterback that we know has a top-tier talent that we know throws the ball to the backfield, that we know loves to throw to the backfield without Adams. These are all important factors that are true, absolutely. Uh, I think he's a better selection than Chubb. He's a better selection than Kamara. Better selection than Williams. A better selection than Barkley. So the value is there for Aaron Jones. As I mentioned, A.J. Dillon is there too, but A.J. Dillon is not the number one running back on that offense. It's Aaron Jones. So you may have a game or two where they go A.J. Dillon. I mean, that's happened. But overall, in the course of the season, I expect Aaron Jones to be uh, a borderline top 10 running back. And uh, I'm just going to put my money out there and say, as long as he remains healthy for the duration of the season, that I expect him to be RB8 or 9. I agree with that, mostly because of the absence of Adams and not necessarily because... They like to go with him. Last year, they really had basically a split between Jones and Dylan uh, over the season. Not necessarily every game, but over the course of the season, they had a split. However, and I'm not certain on this, does Matt LaFleur call most of the plays there? Because most of the offensive staff, or at least the coordinator and I believe he was the tight ends coach, have moved on to Denver. So they are they may have a little bit of – I don't think they're going to have a different play-calling philosophy – um, so there may still be some split there, but these stats that you're showing where uh, Jones 
really bumps up when Adams is out. Oh, yeah. Very encouraging. Yeah. So, moving on to Debo Samuel at number 18, wide receiver for San Francisco. Samuel finished last season as the WR2, the only wide receiver not named Cup who had more than 300 points. 300.46, to be exact. (laughs) So, Samuel led the league in yards per reception. He topped 1,400 yards on only 77 catches. Most amazingly, he had eight rushing touchdowns. So, last season may have felt like a boomer bust player, but let's be honest, he was almost all boom. It was just kind of like one of those things where like um, it was chaotic, but it was mostly boom. Only two games were under the twelve were under twelve points. Six of them saw him pass the twenty point mark. Samuel is once again likely to be the focus of the 49ers offense, and if he can push eight and a half touches per game like he did last season, then he's a steal at the WR seven position. Eight and a half touches, not targets, but touches per game is a lot. So there's two main issues to bring up when you talk about Samuel being, uh, you know, they prevent him from being notably higher on the ADP list. Because, like I said, he finished second overall last year. First, most importantly, Trey Lance is going to be his quarterback this year. We don't know what to expect from Trey Lance. He only really started in two games last year. He, you know, we talk about the eye test. He did not pass the eye test as a quarterback last year. His ceiling might be like a Lamar Jackson type season, but it also might like he might hit the floor, which is like the basement three levels down. You know, it's certainly possible that it completely blows up in their face and they don't do very well. Uh, I do have some faith in Kyle Shanahan to at least, you know, get something out of uh, Trey Lance for a couple of seasons, though. And this is the season to do that. The second thing to consider is regression. It's highly unlikely that Samuel's going to find the end zone once every 7.3 times that he carries the ball. Eight touchdowns last year, something like 53 carries total. That was just his work on the ground. So that sort of rate is unsustainable. That being said, getting to a WR7 last level last year, uh, and he's being drafted as the seventh wide receiver off the board last year. So to get there last year, it would have taken 66 fewer points. Coincidentally, that's exactly where St- Stefan Diggs landed. I have to say... It's more likely that I would take Debo Samuel than Stephon Diggs uh, at this point in a draft. I think that he's better value at this spot um, than Diggs is at his spot. So Diggs you'd have to take early in the second round. Samuel you can take late in the second round. That's why I say that I would rather have Samuel. Uh, I would rather have Samuel late in the second round than Diggs early in the second round. So, Dave, you got Debo at 21. That's three spots lower than uh, I have than, than he is in the ECR anyways. Or not ECR, but ADP. So do you have reservations about Trey Lance at quarterback? Do you worry that Debo is due for regression? Why would you have him a little lower? Um, in, in general, uh, he he had, uh, as you were saying, kind of uh, elite production last year, and I just think that there's a hard he's going to have a hard time sustaining that kind of production. Uh, I think that their running back uh, core looks a little bit better than it did last year with Jeff Wilson being healthy again with Trey Sermon still back again and Elijah Mitchell looking pretty good. So there's not a lot of reason to just fly out Debo Samuel all the time as a running back. Um, And Obviously, um, their new quarterback is something that is wildly unpredictable. Uh, we, we we don't really have any kind of grasp on on how good he's going to be and how that will affect the offense. And he is more of a running quarterback from what I've heard, too, like a very mobile guy, yeah. as opposed to Garoppolo, which should also take away from those kinds of plays that they were previously giving to Samuel. So 
I I simply think that um, I simply think that he is is going to uh, not be able to perform at the top level that he was able to last year, um, and that they may struggle a little bit with their new piece at quarterback, being that the the centerpiece of this of this meal that they've put together uh, is one that they've never before put on the table. That's true. That's true. So I, I vari- in, variability and chaos. You know, Kyle Shanahan has done a lot of great things in his coaching career so far in terms of like just bringing a lot of talent from places that don't seem to have talent, yeah. like uh, Robert Griffin III. You know, he did great things with RG3 in Washington before he moved on, and then RG3 totally fell off the earth. So um, I, I think that if anyone can find a way to – get Trey Lance to be, you know, a serviceable quarterback and find a way to get the ball to Debo Samuel, it's going to be Kyle Shanahan. So I, I like his value here at the end of the second round. Sure, but it, but if it was me, then then I would rather take um, Mike Evans or A.J. Brown or, or someone that seems like they'd be more stable in the position that they have on the team that they're in. Okay. Then Debo Samuel, who is clearly in an at least at least you would agree a position that um, is not on firm concrete. Debo. Yeah. Well, I mean, they want to use him everywhere. But you, I don't know how they're going to use but, him. But I have pretty good faith that. Like, but if you don't know what the offense looks like, then <laughs> then how can you how can you try to uh, predict and and put forward and extrapolate how? Because he's the best player on their offense. Yeah, I don't know. Um, at least they solidified him on the team uh, because he was being a crybaby and was thinking about going somewhere else. Yeah, that... Look, if, if you're a wide receiver, you should be, like, a little bit off-center. Yes. I know you used to argue that the players should always, you know, try to get I did. more I did. money, more money, and then you, you oh, shut well. up after uh, being a big sport of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, after that he, didn't work so well. He went to the Jets. That didn't work so well. And got less money and ended his career. Well, I mean, <laughs> didn't work so well. No, I mean, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Well, they don't pay running backs anymore. Well, that's not true either. They don't pay running backs a second time anymore. They don't pay running backs as much as wide receivers. <laughs> that's damn true. Or quarterbacks. That's very true. Yeah, true. Um, well, let's talk about Alvin Kamara. So, so Kamara, number 19 overall in the ADP. He finished with 3.7 yards per carry last year, which was a career low for him. Uh, he missed four games, but throughout the season still averaged 22.1 touches and put up a career-high 240 uh, rushing attempts. So even though he was gone for four of those games, he still ended up rushing a ton of times and was clearly the number one back there. That's just going to continue to happen. Now, the latest news about his suspension, which is an important thing for us to talk about, uh, he was arrested at the Pro Bowl earlier this year. And, uh, I mean, this this isn't... uh, And we didn't find out until after the game, right? Yeah, it's not a good-looking thing for Kamara, but he has a felony battery charge that was postponed for 60 days just recently. Uh, in the end of, I think, the end of July. And so that means that he's not actually going to begin the hearing for the battery charge until September 29th. Okay. And so we don't really know what's going to happen, but 
occasionally what happens when things are pushed back so far into the season, as you know, is that they'll be extended then until next year. Yeah. And and so it's it's actually likely now that Alvin Kamara plays the whole season based on historical <laughs> precedents, and he doesn't end up undergoing any kind of uh, of issues or suspension. He wouldn't serve a suspension until next year. Based on that until next year. Next season. Uh, next season, which which would be great for him and his value. Um, also, I love that he um, he had a, a total of, of 1,337 yards, which is which is elite yardage. It is very elite. <laughs> um, so regardless, his I, second lowest of his career. Wow. I think that well, he was gone for four games. Look, he's a he's been a Pro Bowler every single year of his career. Last year, he. Um, Last when, you, year, when you punch your card five times, you're allowed to commit a felony. Last year, a big no, that's not true at all. A big problem, a big problem with Camara <laughs> was that he um, was playing with like these. This Taysom Hill is his quarterback. He was playing with this cycle of quarterbacks that included Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston got injured. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill got injured. Uh, and so it's one of those those seasons where you're always going to be the focal point of the offense. You had no Michael Thomas. It was Camara, yeah, and but he didn't do as well as people thought he would because he didn't have those other components in the offense. Well, that's what leads to, like you said, his lowest yard per carry of his career. Sure, but but that's also not a great sign in general. Um, we have to look at the offensive line of the New Orleans Saints. We have to see what all these things mean together. But what I think it means um, for me is that if I look at running backs, he's my RB twelve right now which is uh, right below Saquon Barkley and Javante Williams. So for me to be able to choose Kamara uh, as, as somebody that um, is going to be, you know, in, in the end of the second round, again, that's a, that's a lot there's a lot of chaos involved in the New Orleans Saints. Assuming that Jameis Winston is doing well, Chris Olave looks like he's going to be a great wide receiver. Michael Thomas looks like he is is healthy again. They picked up Jarvis Landry. Uh, I really like his situation and the fact that the suspension may carry over. If that happens, and, and so that's the chaos that you're kind of betting on. Jameis Winston currently has a, a sprain, I think a sprained ankle or something like that. Okay. But that's only like a two-week injury. So if we have Jameis Winston locked in, if we have these wide receivers that are all healthy, if we have uh, what we know is the Saints have a good defense An offense on paper, running around him. An offense running around Kamara. Like, I think that he could again become a top 10 running backs. No problem. No problem. So I love him in this position. In fact, uh, I have him at 18 uh, in my rankings on, on Drink 5, and so I would happily take him at 19. I'm targeting Kamara for the end of the second round. If I'm going to be in 17, 18, 19 in those picks in a 10-person league, um, I'm taking Alvin Kamara. He just turned 27. He's not quite too old yeah. for a running back. Pe- people are low on him because of his numbers from last year. He yet this year. Yep. I think that this is... One of the last years he'll be able to put up really big elite numbers. I love the Saints this year. I think that they can do way better than they are projected for. Okay. I, I think that he is a I buy that excellent choice at the bottom I will buy of the that second pen. round. Well, thank you. Three ninety nine. You sold that pen. <laughs> Number twenty, Javante Williams, running back for Denver. So he's a player that to me definitely passes the eye test. His ceiling is that of a high end RB one. So this could be a very beneficial pick 
with him as the RB12 right now. So it's not that he's overrated because he's, uh, you know, because he's moved down so far. But uh, the problem is that, you know, he splits carries. And then there's a lot of changes on his team, and we don't know exactly how it's going to affect him. Mm -hmm. So let's run down the changes first. First off, Russell Wilson is now the quarterback in Denver. This is not the Russell Wilson we knew five years ago, but he's an upgrade from what Denver has had over the past few years. How many years? The past seven years, Dave. In the past seven years, Denver has not had a quarterback who has thrown 20 touchdown passes. Hey, look, I still have Russell Wilson as a number eight quarterback. He's a top ten quarterback. He sure. might he might be aging. He's not a top five quarterback still anymore. Still top ten. Not since 2014 when Peyton Manning <laughs> threw 39 passes, touchdown passes, have the Broncos had anyone who passed, I think, even gotten to 19. So we all know that improved quarterback play can elevate the fantasy value of all the players around them. We talked about that earlier. Javante was good last year with a bad quarterback. His ceiling is very high with a good quarterback on his side. There's a new coaching staff in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach, Justin Outen, the offensive coordinator, both came from the Packers. Now, the thing about that is that the running back by committee was in full effect. It was a pretty even split just last year on the Packers. They've talked about how they plan on having an even split this year. They're doing it again, Jason. And I believe that the split was so even last year on the on Denver that Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams had the exact same number of carries. You think like that someone was looking at those numbers? Right. Like, you know that someone at the end of the last game was like, Put in Melvin. We need Melvin for one more carry, and then they both have the same number. Yeah. And then we can't pay either of them the bonus, or whatever bullshit. Um, so, <laughs> Outen, the offensive coordinator, has stated that both Williams and Gordon will be on a pitch count and basically splitting carries again. So, while not overrated, Williams, that is, he's being drafted too high because his ceiling is limited by the players around him. If they're healthy, he will not get the volume you need to be a dominant top-tier running back in fantasy football. So, if you presume that the players will remain healthy, then this is probably still a little too high for Javante Williams at RB12. I think he was like 17 or 18 last year and how he finished. And he played, he did the most with what he was given last year. And if he's only going to be given 200 carries, that's going to help the team, but it's not going to do a ton for your fantasy team at the end of the second round. Mm -hmm. So, Dave, you got him at 17. I'm sure you see the potential I see. Um, I just don't see much of an improvement from RB17 if he has a full season where he has to split carries. Now, if he becomes the only guy, if Gordon sucks this year, Gordon's only 29, uh, or if Gordon gets hurt and Williams is by himself, then he is, boom, through the roof. Going to be a top 10 guy. Easy. Um, so, uh, you have him... Plus three compared to the ADP. Yeah, well, I think we agree. It's just that uh, I, I I feel like we'll we'll start to see a separation this year. You think it may be like a 60-40 kind of thing? Williams getting more carries and maybe more of a red zone look. I know, for example... I am, of that, course, biased. I drafted him in a uh, dynasty league. Well, and you should because Gordon's 29, you know, right. uh, and Javante Williams is, is, is a new uh, yeah, uh, younger player. Yeah, he's the new hotness. So when you have, for example, Melvin Gordon taking the red zone carries, he produced eight touchdowns. Williams only got four touchdowns uh, uh, because of the usage in the red zone. I think that you'll There's start... A bunch of big yardage games with no touchdowns. Very frustrating. You'll just start to see that change slightly. Okay. But, but I don't think that you're going to see a major change. I think that what you will see is, like you said, the... 
the 60-40 instead of the 50-50. The Javante Williams may be more in the red zone versus the Melvin Gordon usage in the red zone that was higher than Javante previously. Okay, a little encouraging. Javante is listed as the first running back on the depth chart now. That's why I have him just slightly above, yeah. And But, but to that point, when we look at those teams like Alvin Kamara versus Javante Williams, in a dynasty, of course I would take Javante Williams. But in redraft, I kind of w- will prefer right now, if I'm at the end of the second round, to take Kamara rather than Williams. Because, yes, because, I, I buy that. Because Kamara is going to, going to be a focus of that offense. Yeah, there's no secondary guy. And there's a lot it's of people It's not Tony Jones. Take, it's not like there's nobody else there's, there. There's people to take the um, take the focus away from Kamara finally. Yeah, unless Taysom Hill at becomes, least a little bit. becomes a tight end running back quarterback wide receiver. Then draft Taysom Hill apparently <laughs> at the end of the second round. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think. I hope not. New, new rule for flex position: the player has to play all positions in order to count. The new rule for flex is that the player can't be named Taysom Hill. That's fine with me. <laughs> That's fine with me. I loved trolling a league with Taysom Hill the year, like two years ago. That was really fun. But I, I'm good with that being a Taysom. one and done. Cheers to Taysom Hill and those people that had him uh, and won a championship. Yes. As a running back quarterback at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Shades of Joe Webb. So, anything else you want to mention about the Devontae to Javante list that we just went through? It's hard to say. Uh, I really like it. Um, I enjoy your outlook on these players. Yeah. I think that uh, most people are going to have fantasy drafts between, uh, let's say, next week and Labor Day weekend or the week approaching the actual NFL season. Yeah. Um, and it's so important to not watch the first three preseason games um, thinking that you that's know that go- there's only three preseason games exactly thinking <laughs> thinking that that's going to tell you what's going to happen during the season it's very true yes if, if Sean uh, um, oh god I'm forgetting the name of the coach that won the Super Bowl um, if the Rams last year taught you anything is that the preseason does not matter in any way shape or form no it doesn't it's and, just, and it's just I, a tryout that's something that Bill Belichick has been telling us for 20 years. It's just a tryout sure. for rookies and yeah. uh, for your third string. You're not going to learn anything about the depth of the team at nope. the top, about how they're going to actually use their players. So you got to look into how they were used before and where they're at now and what they're doing in training camp and what they're saying. And you got to read through the coach speak. You got to know that when they say that we're absolutely not trading John, Josh Jacobs, that they're probably asking every team about him and they don't want him. Literally, the only thing that you learn from uh, from preseason games is the players that got injured that you can no longer draft because they're out for the season. Oh, good call. Which good call. We, we hope there's not a lot of them, but there will be uh, another two. There will be Tim Patricks out there. There will be another two or three high-profile wide receivers and running backs that have ACLs or Achilles Harry. or broken legs uh, before the end of the preseason. So to that I say... Um, Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Drink5. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. And um, I think I'm getting all the things right. Oh, they're fine. Subscribe to us on Instagram. Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to us on YouTube. I know that's a thing. I'll get this right one of these days. So what we would really like is for people to uh, to subscribe to the YouTube channel and to hit the little bell notification in the corner and that'll let you know when we mash that subscribe button everyone when we have new videos (laughs) and eventually jason will understand uh you know marketing for social media i wouldn't count on it i'm turning 40 this year (laughs) unlikely 
Thank you, and uh, and thanks dr- everyone. Drink five. Drink five ish. <laughs>